0: Terms apply.
1: Hello, listeners. From home or on the road, catch a favorite story. You are listening to Catch the Story, the podcast where in each episode we bring you great stories told by dear storytellers. I'm your host, Lucia Matuonto, and it's time to catch the story. Our first storyteller is Randy lee Boslaw. She's an author and podcaster, and in Circus, she tells us about an unexpected Circus experience. Hello, my name
2: is Randy lee Boslaw, and I'm going to be reading you a Circus story, which is featured in my book, A Little Scare. As Jenna walked up to her school's front door, she stopped a moment at the flagpole to stare at the flag flying at half-mast, It'd been a year since her best friend, Kelsey, along with 12 other high schoolers, two teachers, and the bus driver had last been seen, assumed to have died in a crash at the Grand Quarry just outside of town on a school trip. There was no way of finding them through the thick forest and deep lake at the bottom of the quarry that lay 2000 feet down. No one had been the same after that, but they all had to continue on with their lives. Jenna still visited her best friend's parents from time to time. They had known each other since preschool and they were like a second family. Since they didn't have any other kids, Jenna's parents always had them over for the holidays. It didn't change the fact that their daughter was gone, but at least they could be together through the pain. Taking a deep breath, (sighs) Jenna continued into the school and to her locker. Today would be an easy day for schoolwork and a hard day for emotions. None of the students nor teachers wanted to be at school on this day, and so it was considered a catch-up day knowing that none of the students would get any work done anyways. The day dragged on, and Jenna was only half-focusing on her work. She was relieved to finally hear the bell ring at the end of the day. Jenna walked home, ready for bed, but knowing she had a family dinner tonight with Kelsey's parents. At 6 p.m., the doorbell rang, and Jenna opened the door to let Kelsey's parents in. She led them to the dining room table, and everyone took a seat. After saying a prayer for Kelsey and the other missing people, they started eating. They chatted about all the boring things in life. Work, school, the weather. Then Marianne, Kelsey's mother, announced, "'Jenna, we want to take you to the circus on Friday, "'if you would like. "'It was something that Kelsey always wanted to do, "'but we never made it. "'We always thought that there would be more time. "'I couldn't think of anyone better to take "'than my daughter's best friend. "'I know she will be with us in spirit.' Marianne looked at Jenna hopefully. eyes rimming with tears that she was trying to hold back. Jenna had never thought about going to the circus before, though she remembers Kelsey talking about it. I suppose it would be nice to honor Kelsey by doing this for her. I would love to go with you. Jenna smiled and gave Marianne a hug. Jenna's parents smiled proudly and nodded at Jenna. Take some pictures for us, they said in unison and let out a small laugh. The rest of the week went on as usual. Nothing too exciting happened. When Jenna woke on Friday, she went to school, but instead of walking home afterwards, she walked to Kelsey's house. Rather, Kelsey's parents' house. It was still so strange to Jenna that it would never be Kelsey's house again, and a small tear slipped from her eye and slid down her cheek. Jenna wiped away the tear before knocking on the front door. Marianne answered the door and ushered Jenna in. Kelsey's dad, Frank, was there getting his shoes on. Marianne smiled at Jenna. Thank you, Jenna. I know that you weren't the one into the circus, but it really means a lot to Frank and I that you're coming with us. It just didn't seem right to break the promise to Kelsey about going, but it also didn't seem right to go without someone close to her. Jenna smiled at Marianne and held back her tears, though you could tell when you looked into her eyes just how sad and touched she was to be asked. It's my pleasure, really. I miss Kelsey so much, and I knew one day I would be going to the circus with her. She couldn't hold back the tears anymore and started to cry. I I just thought that she would be dragging me there while, while I protested. Marianne handed Jenna a Kleenex, and Jenna wiped her tears away. She smiled a weak smile. Well, we better get on our way, or we will be late. And you know how Kelsey hated to be late. Frank said as he grabbed the car keys the drive to the circus was quiet Jenna looked out the window and remembered how Kelsey used to talk about how much she wanted to see a circus and how when they were younger Kelsey would always suggest they play circus it didn't take long to get to the parking lot they got out and stood in line to get into the big top tent taking their seats near the middle of the seating area Frank went to get some popcorn for everyone upon returning the lights started to dim the music began playing and the show was starting it began with the ringmaster welcoming everyone, and then the clowns took the stage. Jenna laughed and thought about how much Kelsey would have loved this. The clowns left the area, and the spotlight rose to the trapezist. <gasps> Jenna gasped and couldn't take her eyes off the slender trapezist. Her blue bodysuit sparkled in the spotlight, and her makeup matched the bodysuit. Her hair was pulled up into a tight bun. Jenna leaned over to Frank. Doesn't she look just like Kelsey? Frank adjusted his glasses and looked closer at the trapezist. There is a striking resemblance, but that isn't Kelsey. I know you miss her, and I know being here is making us all think about her, but Kelsey wouldn't have just run off to join a circus. Plus, Kelsey was deathly afraid of heights. Jenna knew Frank was right. Kelsey had hated heights her whole life. But Jenna couldn't shake the feeling that this person looked exactly like her best friend. I'm going to go find the bathroom, Jenna told Marianne. After relieving herself in the restroom, Jenna needed to make another stop. She needed to meet the trapezes to put her mind at ease. She snuck past security that was standing guard by the entrance to the back of the tent where the performer stayed. Looking around, she wasn't sure where to go, and she was getting creeped out back here. She had just assumed that it would be full of people and be exciting backstage, but it was eerie. It was as if no one really worked here, like no one needed to prepare before they went on stage. She saw a thin light coming from behind one of the curtains and peeked through the slit. She saw a row of people standing completely still. They looked like they were in a complete daze. Each one was dressed in their circus attire, and coming in to join the line was the trapezist. She stood beside the clowns. Her smile faded away into the same blank expression as the rest of the group the heck thought jenna just then the only person who was still freely moving around in the room turned and looked directly in jenna's direction but there was no way he could have seen her through the tiny slit jenna was starting to get really creeped out and decided it was best that she leave come on in a voice said to her from behind the curtain looking around frantically jenna didn't know if they were talking to her She started to turn away when the curtain was pushed back and the ringmaster grabbed her arm. I really wish you would have just enjoyed the show like the rest of the audience. The ringmaster dragged Jenna over to a large wooden chair with strange engravings on it. I was just looking for the bathroom, Jenna lied. Oh, Jenna, I know you already went to the bathroom. Don't lie to me. How did you know my name? Jenna asked. I know many things. The ringmaster turned to look at her with eyes that had turned totally yellow. There wasn't any white left in them. Jenna opened her mouth to scream when the ringmaster pushed her into the strange chair that wrapped its cloth backing around her mouth. With wide eyes, Jenna realized that she was right. The trapezist is Kelsey. Then the ringmaster left to finish the show. When the show was finished, Marianne and Frank looked frantically for Jenna, asking everyone if they had seen her. The ringmaster even offered to call the police. The circus was not a place a child wanted to go missing. The End
1: Originally from Ontario, Canada, Randy Lee has not only been a creative force, but also a dedicated kickboxer for over a decade. took part in the World Kickboxing Tournament and secured a silver medal in her division at the 2016 Pan Am Games.
0: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.
1: After Randy Lee's tale, we shift to Jeff Rasley. His story, Solitude and Community Lost, in PK Peak, in Nepal, recounts getting lost in the Himalayas.
3: Finding Meaning in Solitude and Community, adapted from a chapter in You Have to Get Lost Before You Can Be Found by Jeff Raisley. Our Nepali guide, Ghanas, told us that the 14,000 foot summit of Pikey Peak was just a two-hour scramble up from our base camp at 10,000 feet. So we'd summit the mountain and be back in base camp before dinner. Ghanas pointed out that the trailhead just above the Ghat, which is a yak herder's shelter, on the edge of our camp was where we'd start up the mountain. So we started up the trail with Gannis leading, Mike in the rear, and me in between them. After 15 minutes hiking up the steep, rocky trail, Mike was struggling. I signaled that I was going on ahead. 15 minutes later, I looked back and saw Mike resting on a boulder. He was having trouble acclimatizing to the altitude. Gannis and I waved to each other. The next time I looked down, they were out of sight. Clouds were rolling in, so I picked up the pace to reach the summit before the clouds would blot out the majestic Himalayan peaks I wanted to see. After another hour of hiking and scrambling around boulders, I saw a series of stone steps cut into the side of the mountain. Beyond the last rock step was a rounded green hump. A bamboo arch with Buddhist prayer flags flapping in the wind was in the center of the summit. I was surprised that the summit was grass-covered. I expected a rocky top with a dusting of snow. But it was a comfy sort of summit, a pleasant place, not at all austere or forbidding. The view of the vast Himalayas from Kenchingjunga and Makalu in the east to the Everest Massif dead ahead and Annapurna in the distant west was awesome. This was my first moment of complete solitude during the trek to Bassa village. The main purpose of the trek was to assist the village in the construction of a hydroelectric system to provide electricity to a remote area of Nepal that did not have electricity. The project was financed by a foundation of which Mike was chairman and I was the president. Climbing Pikey Peak was to be a diversion from the work of our mission the moment of solitude passed too swiftly after just a few minutes clouds enveloped the summit i could not see beyond the edge of the summit i was inside the gray fog of a cloud i assumed mike and ganas had decided not to hike up to the summit and return to camp the wind was picking up and it's unwise to be on an exposed summit even a modest fourteen thousand foot one during a storm so after a few minutes sitting in meditation i hoisted my pack to head down i walked back to the edge of the green green hump to to begin my descent down the stone steps but the stone steps had vanished visibility in the dense fog was down to about 10 feet the wind was picking up and slashing at me i circled around the top of the mountain searching for the stone steps I couldn't find them in the fog. What the hell? I was 57 years old in 2010, but fit and strong, so it would be fun to break my own trail down the mountain. I soon encountered a thick patch of scrub pine, but no trail. Since I wasn't sure which way to go around the stand of trees, I just bushwhacked straight on. It wasn't easy, because the mountainside was steep. I had to move from tree to tree, hanging on to branches or trunks to keep from falling. The stand of trees ended above a rocky overhang. Without rope, I couldn't down-climb the rock face. So I worked my way along the ledge and came to a frozen waterfall. Water was trickling under several inches of solid ice, hugging a smooth ten-foot rock face. I slid on my butt. Down the 10 foot ice chute and landed hard on my feet. But I kept my balance and I wasn't hurt. Hurt and alone on the mountain would seriously detract from the enjoyment of this adventure. So I bushwhacked my way through the rhododendrons, hit another rocky outcropping, which I was able to climb down, and was then in a thicket of tea bushes. Every inch of ground was covered with tea plants and other ankle grabbing vegetation. I could barely push and pull my feet through it. Progress was too slow. It was like walking in deep mud. I worked my way back to the rhododendron forests. The detour forced me to veer off from the straight line direction I thought would intersect the trail, but I was able to begin working my way downhill again. I grasped tree limbs for purchase to keep my balance as I struggled down the steep mountainside. There was nothing to be worried about yet. More than two hours before sundown, and I still had plenty of energy, I had two granola bars in my pack for snacks. I didn't have any cold weather clothes or a sleeping bag with me. The total up and down time from pikey base camp to summit was supposed to be just four hours. I was not prepared to be out after dark or to need food, but no worries. I was sure I'd be back in camp before sundown. When I finally broke out of the rhododendron forest into a stand of tall spruce and pine trees, visibility was much better. I knew that the tall trees were just above the trail, and hooray, there it was, the trail. I turned left because I was sure that was the way to our campsite. I strode down the trail, feeling bold and confident again. The anxiety that had started to creep into my mind evaporated. Getting lost for a little while and making my own trail down a mountain was just one more cool adventure in the Himalayas. I couldn't be too far from camp. I was getting a little hungry, so I ate one of the granola bars. I saw boot and shoe prints on the dirt trail, so I was sure I was on the right track. We had not seen anyone else on the trail to base camp from Nagar Gompa. Gompa is a Buddhist monastery and school, which was where we had camped the night before. But something wasn't right. The trail kept descending. I clearly remembered that the trail from Nagar Gompa was a gradually ascending trail, not a descending one but i followed the trail another 30 minutes before i was absolutely convinced i was going the wrong direction it made no sense who made the footprints i was following but i must be going the wrong way we had not gone from we had not gone down from the gar we had gone up i must have erred and should have gone right instead of left when i found the trail i backtracked the half hour i'd spent walking left I picked up the pace and ran a hundred yards or so every few minutes. It was getting late in the afternoon. Sundown would be at six o'clock. It was nearly five now. I needed to make time. I did not want to be out after dark. I had left both of my headlamps and my down jacket in my tent. Stupid. Hiking after dark without a headlamp and cold weather clothes was not an attractive option anxiety crept back in. I jogged past the woody area where I found the trail. The fog had cleared enough that I could see fifty yards or so. Twenty minutes later, the trail came to an abrupt end. A rock slide had wiped out a hundred-yard stretch of the trail. Could I pick my way across the rock slide? Traversing a mountainside across a rock slide without a rope or a partner would be very risky. If I fell and broke a bone or turned an ankle, I had no way to call for aid. I could see splotches of color through the fog on the side of the next mountain. It might be Nagar Gopat and shelter for the night. But to get there, I'd have to find a way across this dangerous rock field. As the clouds moved out, I had another idea. Maybe there was another trail. When I came down through the trees, it was possible. I just couldn't see a trail that ascended instead of descended. No section of the trail we hiked from Nagar was wiped out by a landslide. There had to be another trail. Okay, so turn around again and go back. Look for a higher trail now that visibility had improved. I backtracked once again on the run. I also started looking for caves and shelters, just in case I would have to spend the night on the mountainside. Just past the point where I'd originally found the trail, I noticed a break in the trees. I stopped to check it out. Above the trail was a little clearing in the woods I hadn't noticed on the descent. I found a broken-down fence and remains of some straw bales. It was a yak pasture. Yes, I remembered seeing seeing it on the way to our campsite. Across the little pasture was another trail, and there was a booty arrow. Booty, one of our guides, drew an arrow to mark the direction to take at every trail intersection on the trek to Boston this was a booty arrow showing me the way dusk was rapidly approaching i alternated jogging and speed walking every couple hundred yards i soon came to another trail intersection and i was sure i should take the upward trail so without hesitation i turned to the left heading uphill another 20 minutes and i was back at the pasture where i'd started Somehow I had run and walked in a circle. I wanted to gnash my teeth and tear my hair. Instead, I stopped, ate a granola bar. I needed to regain composure. Throughout the afternoon, I chanted the Buddhist mantra, Om Hum, but I was lost and needed to be found. I began to sing Amazing Grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me i once was lost but now am found was blind but now i see twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. I was calm again and strode back down the circular trail at a steady pace. This time, I went straight in the direction Booty's arrow pointed. The sun had sunk behind a mountain to the west, but even the gathering dust, I now saw familiar boot prints. I recognized Hamid's unique print made by the shoes I'd given him from Changing Footprints, one of the NGO's supporting our foundation's development projects in Basa. I had lost sight of Gannis and Mike five hours ago. Now that I was confident I was on the correct route back to our camp, the feeling of joyful pleasure in my little solitary adventure returned. I was lost, but now I was found. Night had settled on the mountain by the time I sighted lights at our campsite. I knew Gannis and the crew would be worried and upset, so I began yelling as I approached the camp. No one responded, and I didn't see anyone. I poked my head into Mike's tent. He was asleep. Ram came out of the Ghat he was using for a kitchen. He said that Ganas, Budi, Nermen, and Hamid were all up on the mountain looking for me. Damn! Well, what did I expect? Of course they'd be looking for me. Rottenbeer, our cook, came with me we yelled and hollered as we jogged up the rocky path toward the summit of pikey peak about 15 minutes up we saw Ganis waving down at us then we saw booty higher up and acknowledging ganas's signaling whistle when we were all back down and gathered in the meal tent we learned that poor hamid had hiked all the way to the top but had found no sign of me oh well Everyone was in a good mood and happy that I was back in the bosom of our little community. It felt very good to share the warmth of our meal tent with the guys, to laugh about my execrable sense of direction, to pass around plates of Dalbot, cups of hot tea, and finish off the meal with a shared bottle of Roxy, local spirits. Being alone and lost on the mountain made me feel very small, and vulnerable. The congenial fellowship in the meal tent reminded me that we humans are social beings. Community is an essential aspect of our humanity. I enjoy many solitary activities like reading, solo kayaking, meditating, and writing. It feels good to be isolated in those experiences. But being part of a family and participating actively in communities I care about really makes life meaningful. A wisdom I have gained is that to be healthy we need a balance of alone time and together time. Too much time in isolation and we may become insensitive and self-centered. Too much time in the company of others will leave us craving to get away so that we can pay attention to our own needs. One of life's pleasures is sharing memories of cool experiences with others and hearing about equally meaningful experiences from them. How meaningful are experiences if you do not have family and friends or either with you or you can tell them about it.
1: Jeff, who resides by the White River in Indianapolis, with Alicia and Poppy is an author of 14 books and the founder of the Baza Village Foundation, focusing on culturally sensitive development in Nepal. His commitment to social activism began with co-founding the Goshen Walk for Hunger in high school. For more on Rand Lee Boslaw and Jeff Rosley, visit our website at www relatable-media.com and that's all for today we hope you enjoyed this episode if you have a story that you want us to catch submit it on our website at www.relatable-media.com thank you for listening and whether you are at home or on the road we hope you catch this story